Good morning, my name is Pastor Dave and I want to extend a very warm welcome to you today. Thank you for tuning in to the, this morning's service. Today I'm going to be talking about uh, the book of Numbers and how that's part of Israel's journey from slavery into prosperity. And the book of Numbers comes from the word Nassau, which means to lift, uh, to, or to lift our heads. Uh, to, this morning I'm going to be talking about what else that means is to be able to lift other people as well. So uh, today I want to encourage you to listen to this message and I pray that God will bless you out of it. Thank you. And I want to welcome those who are watching online today. I know we've got viewers watching from Australia, watching from around the world. I want to extend a very warm welcome to you today. And I pray that God will lift your life, that God would prosper you, that God would bless you. There is nothing about uh, that causes more controversy, I believe, than a pastor speaking about prosperity. Come on, you guys have a seat if you like. You guys have a seat, it's fine. Thank you, guys. There is something that really rubs people up when you start to talk about, especially when a pastor or when a, a church starts to speak about prosperity. Friends, I want to encourage you today that prosperity simply means to be moving forward in your life. Amen. Prosperity simply means to be moving forward in your life. It is the plan of God that you would move forward in every dimension of your life. Prosperity is not just having a whole bunch of money, having a pot of gold. That is not the full definition of prosperity. You can have a full, God, you can have a full pot of gold to your name, but you're having a deficit in, in your heart. You have a deficit in your walk with God. You have a deficit in every part of your life. You can't tell me that's not prospering. It is the plan of God. It is the purpose of God. It is the, is the purpose of the gospel that you would be moving forward. The whole process of moving forward is the, is, is the process of prosperity. It is about making gain. That's what prosperity means, to make gain in your life, to, to be moving forward, to be, uh, be getting rid of the, the, the various kinds of debt that gets around our life and around our soul, and to make gain in our life, to make gain in our, our walk with God, to grow in the things of God. Not just to say a little nitty prayer. If you're still praying the same prayers that you were praying uh, six months or a year ago, you haven't grown in your faith. I encourage you today that the most important aspect of your life that you need to prosper in is, the, is, is, your, is your prosperity in the things of God, your, the prosperity of your inner man, the prosperity of your spirit, the prosperity of your relationship with God, because out of that flows absolutely every issue of life. Can I get an amen here this morning? It is no use giving your time and your resources, investing into things. I mean, hear me right. You've got to invest into tangible things. But don't let those things become the priority of, of investing into the things that really do matter. Because when you invest into relationship, when you invest into the things of God, the Bible says Jesus himself said, uh, seek first the kingdom of, of, of God and his righteousness. In other words, invest, make it a priority to invest into the kingdom, the kingdom, the, uh, the reign of the kingdom of God inside of you and the reign of the kingdom of God around you. Invest into those things and everything else shall be added unto you. Can I get an amen here this morning? Come on, work with me this morning. I'm not going to be preaching to people that are half-hearted and apathetic. I tell you what, right now, there are a whole bunch of people that are hungry and desperate for what you're having here today. Don't you dare sit there and just fold your arms and say, I've heard all this before. Friends, I'm, I'm not here to entertain you or to tickle your ears. I'm here to grow you. I am here to see God prosper you in your life. I mean it. I ain't giving my life to... 
things that are just going to sit there and die and not do nothing with it. I'm not going to give my life to that. Why should I? I'm here because I believe in you. I'm, I, I want to invest into you this morning because I believe in your heart. I believe in your future. I believe in what's inside of you. I believe that every person here today, not one single person is exempt, that there is, not, that there is something of God inside of you. My heart is to see if I can wrestle that out of you here this morning. I want to invest into you. I invest when I come here today and preach. I invest my heart. I invest my spirit. I invest time to, because I believe in you. I believe there is so much more in you. I believe that there's so much more in us. Come on, tell, me, tell somebody next to you, there is more in you today. There is more. Friends, this is not hype. I absolutely believe it. I absolutely believe it with all my heart. One of the things I want to encourage us, and I, again, I've felt God speak to me really afresh. Um, I really, to be honest, I had no idea that I'd get so much out of the book of Numbers. When I read the book of Numbers, when I first took a look at that, and I thought, why is that even there? Couldn't he be a, such a, couldn't, oh, no. but the more I started to have a heart that is, and a mind that is open, the more I started to hear God speak about it. The whole point of Numbers is about the journey moving forward. The whole point of Numbers, the whole point of the book of Numbers represents a, a part of the, the, the journey of the Israelite people, God's people, and coming out of slavery and turning into a place of prosperity. That's why the whole book is there, because all of us reflect, we'll find ourselves at some point on that journey. That is why the story is in the Bible, that we can learn from that, that we can say, this is where I am in my life. I'm either in a place of captivity or I'm moving forward. Maybe I've got to a place in my life where actually I'm not running from anything anymore. I've got a pot of gold. I see the glory of God. I've got a great spiritual experience happening. I've got you know, all these things going on, but I'm still not into the promised land. I'm still not walking into the things that God has promised me. And that is, my friend, is the place that so many people get caught in and stuck in. Today, I need to help, I, need to, I want to get into your skin and help you move forward. One of the first things we looked at last week was um, uh, the whole book of Numbers. The, num word, the book Numbers does not mean just to count a whole bunch of people. That is not what it means. The, the book of Numbers, uh, its it, it basis is on two censuses that uh, Moses took of the people. The first one was this, that he called people out of the crowd. I don't know about you, but this, and so the first thing it is, he got the, the different men and the tribal leaders to come out of their tribes and called and cause them to recite their whakapapa, which I talked about last week. In other words, one of the first things I believe, if you want to start to prosper, you have to, um, but as I started to speak about this, is uh, in the context of a church, in the context of my life, I don't want to be a person that's just a face in the crowd. I don't want us to be a church that is just another church the same as every other church. I don't want to be a church that's uh, just totally wrapped up with about pleasing people and just growing uh, how many bums I can fill on seats. That is not the goal of what I'm looking for. I don't want to be a church that just looks like and sounds like and feels like the same as every other church. That's why we jump, that's why we praise loud, that's why we're expressive. There's something unique about who we are. One of the things that, uh, is that Shane Willard, when he was here, he said, don't lose your accent. As a church, don't lose your accent. I don't want to be sounding the same as anyone else. I don't want to be just 
compressed, have my, have who we are, compressed and reached to a certain point because I don't want to offend anyone, I'm, I don't want to upset anyone, I don't want to muck any people's lives up, and it was, oh, we'll just come to this level and that's about far enough. In other words, we won't pray in tongues anymore in church because you know, some people get a little bit uncomfortable about it. I won't talk about deliverance because oh, it doesn't really win people. Friends, we've got to be in a place where God calls us out. We cannot make a difference and we will not make a difference if we just stay doing the same old, same old and be like every other people. God wants us to come out. I don't want to pray little passive prayers. I don't want to sing little nice little songs. I want to be a church that stands out that's different from the rest. It's basic business sense at the same time. If you try and be a business, an organisation that kind of just fits in the, uh, fits in the people pleasing or the, uh, the sector here, I'm not going to go into it, but you'll find you'll never, it, it doesn't actually work, it's called no man's land. Even businesses know that, you have to have a point of difference, you have to have something about you that resonates into the community around you. This is something they teach businesses as a church, I want to be a place, I want to be a church that's prosperous. I want you to be prosperous. I don't want you just to be in a place where your walk with God is just the same as every other. I want you to be moving forward. I want us to be moving forward. Come on, somebody give me an amen this morning. The Bible says in, in, uh, in, uh, in the book of Luke, chapter, chapter 2, verse 52, and it says, and Jesus continued to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. In other words, Jesus was prospering. He continued to grow. That is prospering, continuing to grow. It didn't really, he, started, he started as a baby, but he continued as a young man. He continued, or he grew, he continued to grow in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. That, my friend, is prosperity. Yeah. Yeah. If Jesus grew in that, and it is, it is, it's obviously got to be the plan that you and I be followers of Jesus and follow that model. He is the model of our salvation. Here's the model of this church. And so one of the things I talked about, uh, started, to, um, started to think about was the whole word of, uh, of numbers and how, that, how the book of numbers is reflective of our journey. And the word numbers, again, is not about just counting people, but it's about two censuses. It's actually about, and the, the word numbers comes from the word NASO, N-A-S-O. And the, the word Nasso, to understand the word Nasso, you've got to think of it like, and you've got to see that word like you would see Whakapapa. If you understand, if you understand what Whakapapa means, essentially it means a lineage or it means a family line. In other words, there's a, uh, it starts from somewhere and there's a progression out. And the word Nasso is a very similar aspect to it. In other words, it is the, it is the, it is the core concept word, and off that word Nasso comes a whole pile of different expressions. But every one of those expressions can be tracked back to that word Nasso, the idea, the concept, the Hebrew concept of Nasso. So the whole book of Numbers is about the word Nasso, and you'll find that this word is reflective all the way through Scripture. Everywhere you see, uh, see these different ideas and concepts, what it will do, whenever you hear the word lift up or raise or to carry, all that comes back to the word Nasso. And you'll find that that concept runs all the way through the Bible. So it's the plan of God that we be lifted up. The, the plan of God, the purpose of Jesus Christ, the purpose of the gospel is not to suppress people, not to tell people what they can and cannot do. It's to lift people up. As a church in our lives, we, that is the basis of the, of the gospel. The, it, it is not about condemnation or anything like that. It is about the lifting of people, people up. 
So the word nasso literally means to raise or to lift up. But the expression of that is, uh, well, how that works out is expressed in so many different ways. And uh, the first way was to stand up. One of the things that you saw about Moses was he called people to stand out of the crowd. In other words, don't be a face in the crowd, but stand out of the crowd. Next one he said is to, is, it was to also what I talked about last week, was it means to lift the head or to the lifting of our heads, which simply means in one expression to, uh, to lift our thinking and to lift our perspective, to lift our world, world, our world view. If you're going to come out of slavery and you're going to come into a place of prosperity, it takes a shifting of the thinking. So many people today, they have the potential to live in prosperity, but their thinking limits them into a place of captivity. You see nations, uh, nations live in a place of poverty, not because they haven't got any inherent wealth around them, it's because of their thinking doesn't see it and, and it hasn't been developed in order to see that fulfilled and to realize. You look at places like Uganda, you look at places like some of these African countries, there is a whole pile of wealth around them. They're inherently wealthy, got a lot of natural resource. But the thinking behind, uh, the thinking about prosperity and, and, and wealth keeps people in a place of captivity. When we lived in Pakistan, we could see that there's a whole pile of wealth there. Uh, but one of the things we found is that it was people's thinking stopped people from progressing in life. They weren't open to anything new. They were just, they were got stuck in their thought processes. The starting or the big, one of the starting points of prosperity is to learn to shift your thinking. And the only way that you can shift your thinking to a large degree is either by revelation or by getting people around you that can challenge your thinking. And so this is where people are found, even in church, that who we are as a church, it will push your button somewhere. <laughs> when you come to this church, where as, as you commit as a uh, member of this church, it will push your button somewhere. I intend to do it. It's never because I hate you, but it's, it's because I want to see you come out of whatever poverty state that you're in and come into a place of blessing. It will not happen unless somebody pushes your button. So one of the things we've got to learn to, so it also means, there's a whole bunch of titles, but one of the things I want to uh, bring out for you today is something that, for me, I, I felt this morning just resonated in my heart uh, and really come alive. One of the words it also means is this. The Hebrew definition of paradox finds its root or finds its meaning in the word naso. Let me just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift your thinking a little bit for you. <laughs> Are you ready this morning? The word paradox, the Hebrew idea or the Hebrew uh, definition of paradox finds its meaning in, in the word naso. So one, the word naso means to lift, right? It means to lift or to raise up. The word paradox means this. It's, it's the idea of, of, of two or more things being opposite. A paradox is where, uh, where there are... A, a, yeah, in a simple definition, it means opposites. So you'll find that there are, all, of, all the way through life, we are dealing with things that are opposites, opposite one another. Even in business, and business strategy, we can have a paradox in business strategy, which means there can be two things that are completely opposite, but both are true. That's one of the definitions of paradox, or an example of paradox. So when uh, we look at, when we're joining the word uh, paradox, or the definition of paradox, to to nasso, which means to lift up, essentially what it is meaning is meaning this, is to lift up opposites. 
So when a, a Hebrew, when you look at this piece of scripture, when you unpack it, one of its expressions is not just to lift your own head, but to lift up opposites. And we get in this this morning. And it's, this is the point this morning that I want to emphasize. This is the place where, uh, so it literally means the lifting opposite. In other words, this, it reflects an ability to hold and simultaneously carry apparent opposites in order to unite and synthesize them, synthesize them or combine them into one. Am I bending your mind a little bit? I want to, I'm wanting to lift your thinking because I'd be writing this down. Take, take notes on this. Get, get this into your heart. It means to order, and we can lift up and unite apparent opposites in order to th- synthesize them and cause them to be one. Boom. You're reading my notes. The whole idea, I mean, you ought to know that boys and girls are different. Amen. Write it down if you. Boys and girls are different. The whole, thought, the whole point of lifting our head is not just lifting our own head. But the concept behind this is lift. So the whole idea of paradox weaves through every expression of NASA. So the idea of lifting opposites, or not just lifting opposites, but even in a lesser degree, to be able to lift things that are different to you. The beginning of prosperity is not just about you. The beginning of a prosperous life is not just about you becoming prosperous. One of the things we read that Jesus continued to increase in favor with God and man. That whole whole statement there, increase, continued to increase in favor with man is not just a good idea. Actually, the, the fact that he grew in favor with man was a pivotal foundation to his ministry. Otherwise, nobody would listen to him. Growing in favor with people or learning how to lift other people up. This is what it's all about. The world is not short of people that want to elevate themselves. Christianity is not short of people that want to lift themselves up. (laughs) Only have to have a look at Facebook to see that. Hey, look who I'm with. Look who I'm doing. Look look at this. Look at that. Look at this. Look who I'm doing. I'm powerful. I'm, I'm, I'm amazing. The world is not short of people that are primarily interested in lifting up their own selves. Hello. Hey, buddy. You going to do this one day? We've got a little kid over the side there. He's awesome. The world is not short. The world is not short of, of uh, people that want to lift themselves up. But this is the point of prosperity. Prosperity is not just about you. Yeah. 
Prosperity is not just about you and I, it's about the other people around us. It's about the world around us. And one of the things you'll find, and, and this is actually where the concept of marriage comes, because one of the things that you'll know if you are married, that boys and girls are different. Husbands and wives are different. So which is the right one? Neither, they both are. They have different roles and functions, but the point being is if you want your marriage to prosper, one of the things that we've got to understand is you've got to see your marriage is not just about your own desires and your own fulfillment. It's about other people. It should only be under one other person, that's your wife. <laughs> but the whole idea of Nasso is also about lifting opposites. It's about the order to be able to unite them and combine them into one. You've got to understand that the context in which this is happening is also in a place where, he's bring, where Moses is bringing the leaders of tribes out who are different to one another. They are quite different. They had 12 tribes, each and, every, each and every one of them was unique in its flavor, probably in the way they looked, probably in the way that they dressed, the way that they looked about the world, the way that they expressed themselves. They were different. The point being behind this is it's not just about one, pro, one person prospering. It wasn't just about one tribe prospering. It was about working together because you can have a whole bunch of individual tribes, but at the point they came together and lifted themselves, and they, if they caught that, the concept of Nassau lifting opposites, that point is they become a nation. That's the difference between being a marriage and having two flatmates. Ooh. It essentially means to raise up those who are opposite to you, or at least those who are different to you, helping them to prosper. Think about that. I wonder how much of our life is so consumed by our own prosperity or getting ourselves ahead. But yet our prosperity, I believe, is this, to a large degree, is also found in how much we can invest into other people and how much we can help other people get up on their feet in their various aspects of their life. I wonder how much about, and this is what it means to be generous. This is what it means to be kind. This is what it means to be prosperous is that there is an abundance in, your, in our lives that overflows and touches other people. To be prosperous thinking means there's room in my thought life for other people aside from myself. There's room in my heart and my emotions for other people, for people aside from myself. Not just people that I like, but people that are opposite to me or a lot different to who I am. This is the concept of numbers. And it just happens to be that this is why it's in this part of the Bible. It's the beginning of prosperity. It's the beginning of their journey forward. In this church, you'll find that there's a whole bunch of people that are different. Yes. Online, you may be watching, and you may be different. You may be from a different part of the world. You're different. But it's our capacity and our thinking and our heart to be able to embrace, to learn to hold other people in their heart, to help people that are different to you and I to prosper. 
That is the basis for ministry. That is the basis of prosperity. That is a foundation of Jesus' life. That is a common script theme all the way through the scriptures. One of the things that you'll find again that marriage and marriage, that men and women are very, very much different. Amen. Of course they are. But yet together, united in a place of harmony, in a place where we can come from a, either difference or opposites, to combine them into one unit. That's why when marriage, two becomes one. It's not just we're one in body. Actually, we're one in heart. We're one in spirit. Together, we are stronger. That's why marriage or building a healthier marriage is important. They're different. Whose one's going to be right? Neither. You're both right. Because you'll have different ways of looking the same situation. Who's right? You're both right. Now what? You're going to have to find a way to work it out and come together in a place of agreement. How about in the church? How about in the church situation? People are different. People here will have a different outlook on life than me. You'll have a different experience. You'll have a different way of seeing, viewing, and and understanding the world than me. And as one of the basic concepts of leadership is not just to enforce your will upon what everyone else, what, what you think people should or should not be doing. Hmm. Leadership is not about just invoking or enforcing your will upon other people. Mm. Jesus is a gentleman. As a leader, oh, it's gone very quiet for a little bit. Sure, I have things in my heart that I feel that God calls us to, but it's never my will or my intention to control or manipulate people into doing that. This is, that is a paradox, and one, that people have, a, have a, a sovereignty. Every person here has their, has their own personal sovereignty. You have your right to choose, as do I. But yet, in the same token, we're also under a sovereign being. So one of the things you'll find is that there are Paradoxes all through scripture and all through life that things are opposite but equally true at the same time. And our capacity to understand that and our capacity to be able to unite that or unify that together will cause us to come to a place of prosperity. This is about helping others to prosper, those who are really different to you and I. The gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12, is all about, when you, when you read that word, about desiring the gifts, there's an important part in there. It's about the edification or the building up or the prosperity of other people. When I prophesy over somebody, Friends, I can tell you now, I don't really want to do it for my, own, for my own elevation. No way. I'm a little bit nervous about it often. 
the whole point of prophecy, the whole point of a word of knowledge is not for my own self to be elevated and say, look how spiritual I am, that I'm more spiritual than you. That's not the point. If that is the point, but one of the things you'll see is in many ministries, you, can see, you can't help but notice that who's getting the glory here? Who's getting the attention here? What's the, what's the goal behind this? The whole point of teaching people how to move in the Spirit is not just about uh, exercise and not just about showing off uh, a, a gift. There's nothing wrong to a certain degree with doing that. It's good that the gift will be honored and recognized. Equally so, the gift is there for the edification and the building up of other people. When you, are learned, when you come to a, a school of the Spirit or come to learn a different things, it's not just about you. It's actually about also other people. That's what it's all about. And, and when you start to have their mentality that it's not just about you, it's about other people who are different to you, maybe even opposite to you, it's about their prosperity as well. Is this okay? The fivefold ministry in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 12, the Bible is... Uh, the fivefold ministry is for the building up of the saints, not for the fact that we could have a, an impressive looking title and impressive Facebook posts that go around the world. That ain't the point. The point is that you would come into a place of maturity, that you and your life would prosper. Amen? Uh, one of the things, like, again, when you look at Matthew 5, the, the, sermon, of the, the sermon on the Mount, Jesus was talking about, essentially when you encapsulate what Jesus is talking about, he is talking about this. He's helping people to lift their heads. These are people who are under Roman rule. They are in a place of oppression. And in the place of oppression, he is helping them to learn how to prosper. He's learning, teaching them to learn to lift their thinking. Their thinking is about who are these, um, uh, I'm going to be careful what I say here, but and no, I'm just going to say it. I understand that there's been. I understand that there's grievances, especially around uh, about in, around the indig indigenous peoples. But this situation here in Matthew chapter five, it's really not much different. In fact, it was worse here. People were in their own land that had been colonised by Romans, and they were complaining about the colonisation. It's the same argument. They wanted the Romans gone. The Romans were harsh on them. And here's Jesus teaching them how to prosper in that situation. That is the context in which this message came out. How did he, what, and what are the, some of the things that he said? Go the extra mile. In other words, if he asked you to lift that, then lift it a bit further. The whole point of the Sermon on the Mount was not just to lift their own heads, but to lift the heads of those who are even opposite to them. And for that point, and because of that, one of the things that you would, if you understand, uh, understand a little bit of history, is that the teaching of Christ and the ministry of Christ, that teaching on, on the lifting of the heads and, uh, uh, and the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit, after Acts, uh, in the book of Acts, one of the things you'll find is the church, the New Testament church, grew to a, one of the, a, a great power, a, a great place of influence in the Roman Empire. So they shifted from being the tail to now having one of the greatest influences outside the Roman military in, the, in that place. Why? 
Because Jesus taught them how to lift their heads, lift their own heads, and taught them how to lift the heads of other people. That was a bit of a bite. Of, you know, he, they didn't want to do that. But when they started to do that, they started to gain influence. Boom. The Samaritan woman. Jesus, when he saw the Samaritan woman at the well who was full of, who had been caught in, and even the one that was caught in adultery, but the, one, the Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus reached out to her and lifted her up. She was opposite to him. There was no way they could have mixed. But he reached out to her and he lifted her up. The whole Bible is full of people being lifted up. That's the basis of the gospel. That was the basis of, of apostles. That was the whole basis. You look at Paul and John as they go into the temple. They saw that man that had been crippled since birth and they lifted him up to his feet. You can see the whole idea of lifting opposites is all the way through the scripture. Lifting people that are different to you. Lifting, lifting people that are different to I. Lifting the head of others is what you could call building relational equity. Write that word down, relational equity. In other words, it's relational wealth. It's not just equity that you have in the bank, it's that you have equity with people. Jesus knew how to build relational equity. That's another word for saying he got favor with people. When you've got favor with somebody, I've got people I've got favors with because I've invested into their life. I can call them up and they'll be here. If I've got a messy job, I could call them. Why? Because I've got, I've got relational favor. And when my dad had, the, uh, had, had a heart attack and had a, an, uh, had a heart transport, not a, another heart bypass, he had built favor with people to the point where they were stumbling over each other to pay for the bill. Relational equity. He had invested, he had helped these people lift, prosper in parts of their life that were different than finance. If we want to come into a place of prosperity, we have to learn how to build relational equity. We learn how to build favor. Jesus increased in favor with God and men. One of the things I want to do is I want to help us as a church to uh, develop this a lot more. One of the things I went to when I was uh, studying, I went to, uh, had the opportunity to go to D school at Stanford. This is a school that you would pay $16,000 US to go to for two weeks. And an interesting thing there, one of the things that they do there is they design real world solutions. In other words, they they change people's lives. And I, I won't go into some of the things, but it was just amazing how they had saved people's lives, how they had created value for people, how they had caused other people to prosper in different ways. Right? This is how they do it. They help people prosper in one form or another. The way that they do this is by bringing people together of those with a different logic. In other words, one of the things you'll find about D School, it's in, it's in Stanford University, and Stanford University has about, five, uh, about seven different schools. I, I, I think it's engineering, uh, medicine. Um, it, does, it doesn't really matter. But you'll find that there are seven different schools. And one of the things you'll notice about every one of them is they're different. If you speak to a lawyer, you know they're quite different to an engineer. If you speak to an engineer, you'll find that they're quite different to an artist. The, the way their, their logic, their institutional logic, 
the way that they see the world, the way that they make sense of the world, the way that they've learned to understand the world is quite different from one another. In fact, you could be talking to an engineer and you could be like, what the heck are you talking about? I've got no understanding of what you're talking about. If you talk to a lawyer, they'll be talking to you in a way that even the, the, the whole way in which they view and frame the world is the sense of a lawyer. But one of the things that they do at Stanford is this, is that they recognize that even though people that come from different logics or different schools of thought, they bring them together, and the whole point of coming together is that you can bring your gift to the table. In other words, the basic, in terms of the Maori proverb, you bring your food basket and I bring my food basket, and the people will prosper. And it's the coming together of the different thoughts, the coming together of diversity, the coming together and helping one for a common purpose of helping somebody else prosper causes that school to become one of the most um, in-demand schools in the world today. The whole point is to bring people together who are different and to synthesize them, to get them as one unit. And as a result of that, they provide real-world solutions to real-world problems. They cause people to prosper. The point being is it's the lifting up of our heads, not just our own heads, but it's the lifting up of the heads of the people around us. Personally, and one of the things is this, the core value behind what they do is empathy. The core value behind being able to lift up the heads of people that are around you is empathy. One of the core values that will help you bring synergy into your marriage, that'll bring synergy into cultures, that'll bring synergy into people that are different to you is the word empathy. Write it down, empathy. It'll make you a whole lot of money. It'll cause you to prosper in many different ways. Simply understanding what empathy is. Empathy is this, learning to see the world from somebody else's point of view that's different to yours. For example, when it comes to a marriage, you've got tensions in your marriage, you've got tensions between you. Here's one, here's one way that you could cause your marriage to prosper. Stop just thinking your way's the right way and thinking about your own interests. Stop for a moment, put yourself to the best of your ability into the other person's shoes and say, help me understand the situa situation from the way that you're seeing this. Boom. You can think about the same thing with, with, with cultural issues as well. As a, whatever culture you are from, you'll find, you'll have a tendency to think that your way is the right way. And your interests are the interests that should be upheld. It's not until you take a moment to consider yourself or consider the other person and consider the world from their point of view and put yourself in their shoes. And this is one of the things that we, they talked to us about at D-School. One of the things that they did was this. Uh, it was amazing. They, I'll share it with you because it's, it's a powerful thing. They, they had a, they, there was a, an issue that was presented that uh, there was a, a particular country and there was, uh, it was for mums who had, had, had sick babies when they were born. And the problem was that the hospital was too far away from, from the mothers in order for them to get their care. And, and the problem was that by the time the mothers got their babies to the hospital, the, the, the baby would die along the way. It was too distant. So they had to find a way to keep the baby alive or keep the baby to a certain point of 
in order to um, get the baby alive. So, so that was the problem. So the first thing that they did was this. They traveled to that particular country. The whole team of them traveled to that particular country and lived in that culture for over a month. Why? So they could see the world from the, per, from the, from the perspective of, this, of the mums. We're talking about engineers. We're talking about lawyers. We're talking about different people from different walks of life. would go to this place, and they would walk in their shoes. They would walk, literally walk in the field as they walked in the field without shoes. In other words, you leave everything that you think you are and you have behind, and you empathize fully with these people. And it was out of the, the empathizing fully of these people that they started to understand the nature of the problem, understand the nature of the issue. From there, they could come back and design a real-world solution that saved thousands of babies' lives. Could you imagine if we in the church could do that? One of the things for me is personally, I've had it in my heart always to reach out to people that are different. People thought I was becoming a Muslim because I was reaching out to the imams. Different to Christians. But the moment I made a decision in my heart, I wouldn't go there and tell them what they were doing was wrong. A lot of people, would, their idea was, you need to go there and preach to them, tell them they need to repent of their sins and forsake their wicked gods, and then they'll be righteous in Jesus Christ. I didn't take that approach. My approach was this, can we have a meal together? Talk to me. Talk to me about your family. Talk to me about some of the, 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 the challenges that you're struggling with. Talk to me about some of the issues that you're facing. Talk to me about some of the concerns that you have in your heart. And from that point, I managed to get one of the leaders of the largest mosques in the world to come on two mission trips. Listen, there is nothing special about what I did. Nothing at all. I just had empathy. I just let go of my what some could think fundamentalist thinking and just embrace him for who he is. From that point, you, I could call him for you and you could talk to one of, the greatest, one of the largest mosque leaders in the world today. I can call him for that rep. And because of that, he got, he's been touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's been on two mission trips with, with me, maybe even more now. The point being is, you can lift other people up that are different from you. Another example, what about churches? Even for me, one of the things I personally am working on this week is I, I know of a church that is a little bit different and they wanted to make a go of it here in Hastings. Sometimes I can be, it's easy to get so consumed about our own prosperity as a church that forget actually there are other brothers and sisters that are around me. So for me, one of the things that I am doing is I'm personally invest, will be investing into helping this church get off the ground. Why? It's empathy. It's learning to see the good and what they're doing. Learning to see that, yes, they may diff be different. They may look different, sound different. Everything about them may be different, but they're still my brothers and sisters. If I can help them to prosper, who knows what can come back to me. It's not even about that. The point being is, who around me can I lift the heads of? 
You may be here and you may be a school teacher. You may be questioning, what is my purpose in life? What is my ministry? It's simply this. Start by lifting the heads of those that are around you. Start by lifting the spirits, lifting the, the thinking, lifting the heart, lifting the people that are around you that are a wee bit different. There are people that I plan to reach out to who, yes, they are remarkably different from me. But I'm not just interested about my own prosperity. God has given me gifts. God has given me something, not just to hold on to and not just for my own sake, but to lift up the heads of those that are around me. That I would lift up the head of my wife, that I would lift up the heads of my children, that I would lift up the people of those that are around me, that I would lift up churches, that I would lift up atheists. I've got a friend, he hates church, he hates Christians. Can't stand religion at all but I'm kind to him. I've yet to find out what his story is, but I can guarantee this. When push comes to shove, they'll be on the phone to me. I just lift up their heads. This is what I want my life to count for, personally. That I be a man who is a lifter, a builder of people, a builder of communities and a builder of nations. I'm not just interested about how many bums come on seats on Sunday. I want my life to be a builder of people. That's what I want. When I get to the end of my life, I want to be, have people say that, yeah, he poked my buttons a bit. <laughs> he was a little bit of a rat bag, but he believed in me. I was different from him, but he lifted me up. That's what I want for Bay City as a church. That we don't just blend in. That we praise loud. Oh yeah. You know, I was praying about the whole thing about vision and things like that. This is what I felt the Lord. I don't want just to blend in as a church, that we praise loud, that we worship with all of our heart, that we love big. Somebody say, love big. In other words, we just, we have a big heart to love people who are different from us. We think large. We're not just thinking about, should I come to church today or tomorrow? How can I, instead of just not just build a church to 500 people, how can I pastor a city? How can we not just get a few graphics going up here, but how do we create cartoons that transform the lives of young people? How can we build a media department that shifts just from putting pictures out, but how do we build a media department that builds and touches the, the lives of thousands and hundreds of thousands around the world? How do, I, how do I take a bunch of people that maybe have never owned a house before to where they have a property portfolio? How do I can take a bunch of people who have never earned more than $600 in a week? How can we make millionaires out of them? 
think large, that we are the lifters of hearts and spirits, that we are the breakers of chains, that we are the creators of destinies, that we are the carriers of His presence. I pray that today that the Lord would set a fire down in your soul. Come and just lift your hands. I need to start it, friends. <laughs> Come and just lift your hands. Stand up at your feet. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, even as David prayed in Psalm chapter 3, Lord, you're the lifter of my head. Don't lift us in arrogance, not that we're a bunch of arrogant people, but you lift us out of oppression, that you lift us above. Lord, that you cause us to, to lift our thinking, to lift our hearts, to lift our spirits above. Lord, I pray today that you would speak to every person here today. Lord, that you'd cause us to be a church that transforms our city, that transforms our nations. Lord, that we would be known as a people who are different but yet unified in power. Lord, help us to be known as a people that lifts the heads, that lifts the, the, the hearts and the spirits of people. Father, today we thank you for the the wider body of Christ. I thank you for every church in this city, in this region. I pray that today, Holy Spirit, that you would come in power over their lives. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd cause them to prosper and to grow. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for those in our community today that are in desperate need of lifting up. I pray today, Lord, that you would open up our eyes, that you would set a fire in our soul with a heart to transform the world around us. Jesus still raises people today. He lifted our sin on a cross so that we didn't have to. If you don't hear and you don't know Jesus today, Ephesians 2, he says, In you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love. But even when we were dead in sin, he made us alive together with Christ. In 6, and he raised us up together. He raised us up together. He caused us to sit in high places with him, heavenly places, so that in the ages to come, today, that he might show the exceeding riches of His grace. Father, we thank You that You have lifted us up. We are seated with You in heavenly places today. Just grab the hand of the person next to you. Yeah, they're a little bit different. Yeah, but they're awesome. Help us to be Lord of Church. up the head of our community. It lifts up the head of our nation, I pray in Jesus' name. Why do you make a decision today? It's the beginning of prosperity to lift up the heads of others. Let's worship them together.
from here? How will you change your life? How this week will you lift the heads of somebody else that's different? What about in your marriage? Instead of fighting like cats and dogs? How about have some empathy? you and where will you lift, make it a habit to lift up the heads of those who are around you that are different. On Tuesday I'll be going to court to stand with somebody to lift the heads of somebody that's different to me. To me I'll also be looking at setting up initiatives to reach out people, reach out to people that are different to me to help bring hope into their lives. We'll do that as a church. But we can do that individually as well. I know I've just gone a little bit long, but it's what God spoke to me about. Friends, you may be here, you don't know Jesus Christ. You've never made a decision to invite him into your heart. Today he wants to speak to you. He wants to lift off that burden of sin. He wants to lift you up from where you are and bring you to a place where you are seated with him in heavenly places. You've got a whole different outlook on life. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, today you want to make a decision. Yes, Lord, I want to follow you. I need you to lift the burden of sin off my life. I need you, I want you to lift me up, Lord. Would you just come to the front right now? Otherwise, just one more time, just lift your hands. Maybe you're watching on TV, watching online. In your heart, all you need to do is say, Lord, I come to you today. I bring before you my sin. Today, Lord, I repent of my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask today that you would lift off the burden of sin, of condemnation. Today that you would come into my heart, that you would wash me clean, that you would lift me up today, seated with you in heavenly places. I'm just going to be around afterwards, so if you're here and you don't don't know Jesus and you want to, just come to the front and talk to me. But today I bless you, I bless your household bless the works of your hand and bless your relationships. May we be a people that lift up people's heads, that we lift up people's spirits, that we are breakers of chains, that we are bringers of hope. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen.